Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future minority doctors. Glad to have you all join us today for another exciting episode in which I will be interviewing a very cool doctor. Dr. Marina and I are trying to expose you to many different types of doctors that you can aspire to be because it matters to be able to hear it or see it. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Dr. CJ Dufo, a sports medicine doctor. Yes, you heard me right. If sports is your thing, you could be a doctor that focuses on medical issues related to sports injury. Cool, right? So let me introduce Dr. C.J. Dufo, who was born and raised in California. He went to the University of California, San Diego, and majored in physiology and neuroscience while playing intercollegiate basketball. After undergrad, he worked for two years in an emergency room before attending USC for medical school. He did his residency at USC in the internal medicine and pediatrics department, which is where I met Dr. Dufo. After residency, He did fellowship training in primary care sports medicine. Currently, CJ practices sports medicine and primary care. He is an assistant clinical professor at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. He is a team physician for the UCLA Athletics, the South Bay Lakers, and is an assistant team physician for the Los Angeles Lakers. He has two kids, Bryson, who's 10 years old, and Everly, who's 7 years old. In his spare time, he likes spending time with his family, coaching kids in soccer, and training for triathlons. Thank you so much for being here today, CJ, and I know you are a very busy doctor, husband, and father, and athlete, as I can see. Um, So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Um, So before we jump into the exciting world of what it's like to be a sports medicine doctor and what it's like to also be an assistant team physician for the LA Lakers, I would like our future doctors listening today to know who CJ is. Can you start by telling us about your upbringing and your background first? Um, so I grew up uh, mostly in, in California. We moved around a bunch as a kid, um, and we used sports, my sister and I, really to just kind of be able to meet people. And that's kind of where it's come full circle for me, is that now my job is to help people be active and play sports, uh, something very dear and true to my heart. I'm a first-generation physician. No one in my family is a doctor. I'm the only one who's decided to go down that crazy path. It's been something that's been well-supported by my family, but it's also the direction of needing help is not there. So I think a lot of people who are first-generation physicians, I can speak to that. And the way to go about things and the way thing not to do things is something uh, I think a lot of us who are first-time physicians know about, uh, fortunately and unfortunately. So it was never on my plate to begin with. And as I got through the rankings of schools, it started to become more and more interesting. And it was something that just kind of, it clicked and it seemed to be something I wanted to do with my life. And it's, it's, as I found very fulfilling and something I found is what I want to do. And as I look back, something I would do again, which I think is always good because you wonder when you, you go through the many years of training, like, would you do it again? And the answer, you know, you have your bad days, but most days it's yes, I would definitely do it again over and over again. Where in California did you, were, were you raised or, or I know you moved around, uh, what locations? Mostly in Northern California. I was born there. Uh, we moved away. I actually lived in New Jersey for a couple of years. Got to see the snowfall, which was, you know, something new for California kids. Uh, and then we ended up coming back to Southern California, then back to Northern California. 
um, more in the East Bay, kind of east of Oakland in San Francisco. Uh, so that's where I spent most of my, my life, I would say, until college. And I've been in Southern California since then. Okay. And what did your parents do for a living? Mom's a teacher. My dad is in uh, kind of the business world. He does logistics uh, or did logistics for a company before retiring. So nothing really anything close to medical. Like we don't have any like nurses or nurse practitioners or pharmacists. It's my closest is my brother is actually a firefighter. So that's pretty close, I would say. Uh, but most of our families, we have a lot of teachers in, in our background. So uh, that's, I guess, where more of my teaching love uh, and staying in academia for in medicine has come from. Okay. So you guys moved around probably because of your dad's job. He was relocated. Yeah, he got transferred, transferred a bunch. But, you know, I remember being a kid and really being angry with him. But looking yeah. back at it now, I, I, do, I do think it's, it made me more resilient um, to change and be able to uh, adapt and find ways to improve and to meet people and to push me outside my shell uh, of wanting to be an introvert. So uh, I, in the end, I have to thank him for it, unfortunately, I would say. <laughs> for a minute, I thought maybe you were a military. I, I, I mean, I'm from Oceanside, which is where the base is. So we meet a lot of, um, I had friends growing up that moved around a lot, but it was because their parents were in the military. So I thought maybe if you were a military baby. No, no. Uh, yeah, just uh, transferring jobs and new opportunities for my dad and the family. So Okay, cool. How would you describe yourself as a high school student? What type of high school student were you back in the day? I was uh, the, the smart jock. I don't know how to put it. I mean, I was very athletic. I played basketball and soccer throughout high school, but I was very nerdy. I was, I was uh, definitely a school kid. I liked the books, hit the books hard had friends who were both uh, athletes, but also, you know, going into bio or math or like the really intense, more subjects, I would say. But I always tried to get involved. I was involved in leadership in ASB and um, in high school. So kind of felt that there was a always a bigger calling than just books and sports. Um, and I've kind of found that as I've gotten older, too, that there's more than just one thing in front of you. It's getting involved in many things, which is good and bad at the same time, I would say. In high school, did you just want to go pro? Is that kind of what you were, was your number one thing? Or you knew you wanted to go to college? I knew I wanted to go to college. Um, I knew, you know, playing college basketball was, uh, I think, a perk. It was not like my, after I got to like my junior year of high school, I realized it's something I could probably do um, and became a goal, yes, to do it. But I also wanted to go to a good school. And that's where San Diego became probably the best of all is that I got to play basketball. It was a pretty challenging and good academic institution. Um, so to me, it was, and besides it was in San Diego, which is, uh, as you know, an amazing place to live. Uh, it was the best of all worlds, I would say. I, I was asking that just because, you know, I know you probably run into a lot of teenagers from high school that are so involved in sports and Sometimes they just narrow down that they just want to do sports, 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 that it's important to know that, you know, going to college, you can do both, but not to just focus so much on one over the other. Um, so I had never heard of what a sports medicine doctor was until I got to medical school, to be honest, like in high school and undergrad, I had no idea that that, that it even existed. So I'm sure that some of our listeners may have never heard this as a specialty that you can become a doctor that's related to sports. So if you can describe what exactly is a sports medicine doctor and what a typical day is like for you. 
All right, I'll do my best. So it's it's very it's kind of confusing. Uh, it's almost as, as hard as explaining what internal medicine pediatrics as especially is to some people where, you know, you do adult and kids uh, at the same time. So the way I think of sports medicine, there are two paths to sports medicine. There is the surgical. So you do an orthopedic residency and you're doing surgery. So these are the physicians who, if you tear your ACL, your anterior cruciate ligament or your meniscus, they're the ones doing surgery to fix this. Um, if you break a bone and need surgery, those are the ones who are going to fix the bone. Then there's a different path, and it's it's best labeled as primary care sports medicine physicians. And the reason for that is because we do primary care training. You either go to a pediatric residency where you treat kids, an internal medicine residency where you treat adults. You do a, a combination like I did med peds. Uh, you can do a family medicine residency, which is similar to med peds, but different. And you can also do emergency medicine and another specialty called physical medicine rehabilitation. So you go to that residency, learn all about that residency, be very good at that type of physician, and then you do a fellowship in sports medicine. So what you do in your fellowship is you do clinic where you're seeing sports cases, which can be a variety of things. It can be a 12-year-old who has sprained their ankle, hurt their knee. It could be a 35-year-old who's hurt their shoulder. It could be a high-level college athlete, a professional athlete. It could even be a 60-year-old person who has knee pain and is just trying to get back into walking or Zumba classes or something like that. It's musculoskeletal medicine that doesn't require surgery. If you look at most musculoskeletal injuries, majority of them don't need surgery. And that's kind of our role in primary care sports medicine is to help treat these what we call non-surgical injuries. And kind of one of the directions you can go is you can be a team physician for a high school, a college, professional. You can even go on being team physician for the Olympic, Olympic team. I have several friends who were actually just in the Olympics in July in Tokyo covering, uh, one of them was covering the swim and dive team for the USA team. So I think those are kind of what we do. After fellowship, there are several ways you can practice this. Some physicians go on to do sports medicine fellowship, and then they go do primary care. So if it's a pediatrician, they go do practice pediatrics. I know you've, have, you've had Hazel on previously, so practicing pediatrics like she does, but then you just have a, a better knowledge of sports medicine. They get a lot of, kids get a lot of musculoskeletal injuries, so you feel more comfortable with it. Some will go on and practice their primary care specialty, but then they will be the sports medicine specialist for that clinic. So any, everyone that comes in with, you know, knee, shoulder, hip problems, your colleagues will say, hey, go see Dr. Defoe because he's our sports specialist. And the third route is kind of what I do is you're in a specific clinic where you're just seeing sports injuries or musculoskeletal injuries. I like to say musculoskeletal because I have a lot of older patients who are like, it wasn't a sports injury. I'm not an athlete. <laughs> and the way I respond is we're all athletes. We're just different levels of athletes, right? The 80-year-old the who's still playing pickleball is an athlete. And the 75-year-old who just wants to do her two-mile walk every day, still an athlete. They're just not to the level of, you know, like LeBron James or anyone of that degree. But we're all just trying to be active and stay healthy. And that's how I feel like a lot of my role is, is to keep people active the best way I can by helping manage their injuries and help them recover and then get them back to activity so they can be healthy and active. 
nice explanation. I think I learned from it. <laughs> so then what is, and it seems like you work in several areas. What is a typical day like for you? Probably, I'm assuming and you do an outpatient clinic, maybe at UCLA, and then you go to some of the sports um, for teams. It looks like local teams probably. And then what's a day like that for you at work there? Versus then going and, you know, being an assistant physician for the LA Lakers, like how is each, each, the, the time that you're there working, like, how is it different? What is it like? Yeah. So every day for me is, is a different day. I've, I go to a different clinic every day. There are days where I will see mostly adults. Yeah. I'm only in the outpatient setting. I don't go into the hospital unless I'm seeing a patient who's needed to be admitted for some reason, but I don't work anywhere in the hospital. Um, most it's all outpatient. Um, most days I see a lot of adults. There's one day where I work downtown at the Orthopedic Institute for Children, which is associated with UCLA, and I see just pediatric sports injuries, and I help manage non-operative pediatric fractures, um, which is probably like my favorite of the week. I would say. I think if I had to go between adult medicine and pediatrics, I'm more on the ped side. I think it's more just the attitude of being like a big kid at most times. So I, I, I seem to, to, to the doctor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to relate much better to kids <laughs> at times. So uh, I really enjoy, enjoy that uh, aspect of my week. Once a week during the evening, I, I do what's called a training room. So it's an evening time where I go to UCLA to, where the athletes are. And we see any athlete that is having any kind of medical problems, musculoskeletal problems, and they can come in, they have like a, a visit. So it's, it's like, it's a clinic for them, but it's after hours and it's in a facility where they are comfortable. It's where they get, do all their training, where they do the recovery and the rehab. So it's this all in one unit that they come and see multiple different people and providers for them. Um, so that's once a week. And then on top of that is athletic coverage, depending on the season. So we're in football season right now. So a few times a month, I will help cover football games for UCLA. And then we're starting into basketball season coming in October. So then I will be helping cover, I will cover UCLA men's basketball team, as well as helping out with the Los Angeles Lakers and the South Bay Lakers. And if no one knows what the South Bay Lakers are, the way I think of it, it's, it's called the G League. It's the development team. It's the minor leagues for basketball. So it's players who didn't make an NBA roster and are trying to make an NBA roster. So they're in this G League team and they play games just like the NBA team. Most NBA teams have a G League team. So it's just like the NBA season, a little shorter. And you will see uh, some athletes will go up to the NBA team then come back and back and forth. Or some will sign a contract with the NBA team and be gone and made it to the big leagues. So it's fun to be there because you see these kids who are trying. I mean, they're still kids trying to to get to that next level uh, and helping them is fun. That's so neat. I, I, I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe I'm like, oh, maybe it's like this junior basketball, like local group in LA that, <laughs> but oh, that's so cool. You get to meet the people before they make it big. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sure part of it is also not only medical, but a lot of psychological stuff that you help them because I know I'm pretty sure they're under a lot of pressure as well. Yes, we've we've we found, or it's always been there, but I think it's come to more light the mental health aspect of sports. Um, and we've worked a lot, especially at UCLA, to have a very good team around our athletes to for better support, um, and always have options for them to reach out to us. And I, I, as primary care physicians, I think of us as our as the first line. They're coming to us for 
could be a, a knee problem, a cough, a cold. But if you have that good relationship and open environment, it allows them, if they are feeling things, uh, being overwhelmed, feeling anxious, depressed, to bring that up. And then we can then kind of steer them in the right direction where that we, our providers, we have a very good psychology and psychiatry group um, that helps our student athletes. Uh, so I think of us as the, you know, like the person that helps get them in there if they really need it, but they have the, we, they feel open enough to talk to us about it. Oh, that's neat. Sounds like very comprehensive. So that's really good. What would you say is the best thing you like about your job and then the worst part about your job? I'll answer the worst first because I think <laughs> it's always easier. I think it's so it's so universal among physicians these yeah. days. It, it's it's the the charting, the paperwork. Yeah. It's, it's never ending. You just want to see people, help people, but all the other stuff at the end of the day, and you're, it's keeping you up at night just to keep up with your charts. Uh, that is the worst part of medicine, uh, I think personally. <laughs> I agree. I was, we did not know there was an admin part to it. <laughs> Exactly. When you're a when you're a resident, you're just you know you're learning, you're you're treating, you're not sleeping, but you don't have all the admin stuff you get when you become an attending. Totally agree, a hundred percent. The best part, uh, I don't think I have one specific best part. So I will name a few. I really enjoy teaching. So we we have a fellowship at UCLA. That's where I did fellowship. So I stayed on to be part of the fellowship to help. Treat, to teach our fellows and help produce future sports medicine doctors. We also get to teach the residents. I'm in charge of our, what we call, we have a, a sports medicine track. So family medicine, primary care residents who want to do sports medicine, um, help them get the experience, the knowledge, and do lectures in journal clubs to help make them a very good, strong applicant for fellowship. So I really enjoyed that part of what I do. And it's probably why I stayed in academic medicine and not private medicine is that I, I need the interaction of the younger populations and up and coming students, the med students, the residents. It also keeps you on top of your game. Like you really need to know your stuff because if you don't, you can't explain it to them. You can't tell them this is why you do this and that. So it really keeps you up to date on medicine, which I, I think is a very important part as it's ever evolving. And then I would say working with the student athletes is a big thing for me. I only brought up, I don't really like to talk about that I played college basketball because I wasn't this, you know, amazing basketball player that was going to go pro. I just bring it up because I think it helps me relate to a lot of the college athletes I help treat. I understand what it means to go to a very uh, stressful academic university. UCLA, UCSD is, is very similar and play college sports and try and do things outside those two realms. So to me, I, because of that, I feel like they... I don't know if they listen more to me, but they realize I know what I'm talking about. And it gets me a little more clout with them. But I think if, above all, I work, I love working with the kids at Orthopedic Institute for Children. It's like my favorite day. It's my Wednesday. So it's the middle of the week where sometimes you're just like, oh, I don't know if I can get to Friday. For me, uh, the day just gets so much better working with these kids. They are very resilient. They want to play. They want to get back to sports. And for me, Orthopedic Institute for Children is a... Uh, catchment area. It, it it takes every insurance possible. Um, we get a lot of underserved kids there uh, who couldn't go anywhere else otherwise. And to me, I think they deserve the best care. And I hope that I am one providing that top-notch care. And they get to see, you know, someone who looks similar to them in a position of 
a physician who's doing sports medicine and like, oh, I can do this. That's cool. And you get to kind of tell them what you do. And they're like, what? I want to do that. And I think it's getting to kids when they're young, like to help them realize that they can be a physician. They, they can do sports still, even when they're done playing and you can be around it. That is probably one of the most rewarding things I do in, during my week. Oh, that's awesome. I'm sure hopefully you've already you know, planted a seed for some of those kids that have come through. Definitely. Because, you know, when you come from being, you know, first generation, you would never even think this is possible because sports is a big part of a lot of these of the youth's lives. But to know that they can actually make a profession out of it, it's just, it's, it's really cool. And you don't know it exists until you know anyone, right? Right. I think you knew about it before I did. I didn't know about it until I was a fourth year medical student one of our allergy immunology attendings at USC, her husband does sports medicine. And I think I was just talking to her when I was on the rotation. She's like, you should really meet my husband. And I was like, why? She's like, because there's a specialty that I think you should get involved in. And I had no clue what it was. I'm already applying to residency. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then as I got more and more into it, I was like, this is what I want to do. I got to do this. Yeah, I found out about it in medical school because one of my closest friends, he was a physical therapist at turned into an orthopedic surgeon. Very cool. So he's the one that told me told me about it. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even know like that you could you can <laughs> be a doctor and still do sports if you're passionate about it. That's awesome. Hopefully we reach out to a lot of people so and you have an uptick in sports medicine interest. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So um when did you decide that you wanted to be a doctor? Like at what point? And then what other careers did you ever consider? Probably my senior year of high school, I had a physiology teacher who was Mr. Finn. He was amazing. There are a few people that I remember that made, and I think all of us are like this, that made big impacts in our lives. Either the direction we went uh, helped us could do through tough times. So Mr. Finn was my senior year physiology teacher, and he was, he was amazing. He just opened my eyes to the, like, the human body and the way things work and made me question why things are the way they are and how they, how they move and what their function is. And that was my first kind of glimpse into medicine. I was not sold on it. I went into college as a, a math applied science major. I thought I was just going to be a math major. And then I realized, like, what am I going to do with this major? And I was like, I don't know if I can teach math. I just don't know if this might be too intense. And then I started realizing that, you know, I was doing more biology classes. Like, this is the route I wanted to go. And then switched my major to physiology and neuroscience. And it was more for the physiology, not the neuroscience part. And still, I was not sure. I think. It wasn't until I graduated and I worked in the ER for a year and worked in that environment of nurses, doctors, uh, medical assistants, radiology techs. And, and you saw that whole encompassing thing and how everyone was, the way I you know, everything relates back to sports to me. Everyone's working as a team and caring for, for a person and helping them. And, and I thought that was the greatest thing and I wanted to do it. Well, my, both my dad's parents died pretty young, one for complications, diabetes, other heart disease. They grew up in, my dad's from New Orleans, um, very underserved area and not very good healthcare at that time, I would say. They didn't like going to the doctor, didn't trust doctors. And to me, as I kind of went through medicine, I was like, this is something I could, I should do. I like this path and I can help those who aren't trustworthy of the, of the, of the medical field, I would say for reasons that are that date very far back and are deep rooted that kind of combined with just combined together and pushed me into to medicine full heart so that's that's how i got into it 
I thought about it a lot before going because I knew I didn't know a lot about medicine, what it, that my future would hold for me, but I knew it was a lot of work because like once you get into med school, it, it's it's nonstop for you know it, probably seven, eight, nine years before you become an attending. That's a long time. <laughs> by then, it's like a third of your life has gone by, and like that you spent so much of that in medicine. But if I wouldn't, go, if I didn't go into medicine, I would probably be teaching. Uh, I like teaching, and that's probably the whole point of being in an academic institution is to continue that teaching. That's why I was a chief resident at USC. It was to help teach uh, the, the pediatric residents. So that's probably what, what field I would have gone into. Oh, cool. And then you said you were working in the ER. What were you doing when you were working there? What was your role? My role, I guess, technically called an, like an ER tech. I would enter orders for physicians. I would answer the phone. I would transport patients, kind of anything that was needed. I'd help nurses out with difficult patients. I would do CPR if there was someone coding, um, a whole variety of things. I got to kind of know the intricacies of what a hospital was from the ER to the radiology to the inpatient part. It was my nice little sneak peek into it because I didn't, I mean, what I knew of medicine was going to the doctor. That's all I knew. Like I knew my pediatrician. Um, I knew an orthopedic surgeon because I ended up having shoulder surgery when I was in, in college. And that was really all I really knew about it. So I wasn't sure when I was done with undergrad. I uh, took the MCAT like everyone does in undergrad that wants to, it's, that's in that quote unquote pre-med track, but I still wasn't sure. And I knew that it was a long road and I didn't want to jump into it if I wasn't sure it's something I wanted to be around. So that ER was, ER time was a little glimpse in and reaffirmed that I did want to do it. Okay. So you, you finished undergrad and then you took two years basically off to work and kind of figure out where you wanted to head. Yep. I think it was one of the, the best things I did was to take those two years off. Um, I knew lots of friends who went straight through undergrad to medical school. And it's it's hard because you just keep going. Even though I was working, I still had I, I still had time to myself that was not involved with school and day-to-day. I mean, my college days were, were pretty packed with school, basketball, and I was working too. So there was there was free time, but not as much as I would like to just to, to travel, to do interesting things. You know, when you're in college, especially with sports, your day to day is kind of determined for you, right? You have practice, you have conditioning on this time, this time, you have to go to class in between these. So there's, you don't have a lot of freedom in what you do. So it was nice to have some decisions on what I could do on my days off from work. And it was two years that I really appreciated and would have would do it again. I just like to highlight, I like to talk about different pathways on how you can become a doctor. Some people go straight through, but some people take time off in between and there's no right way to do it. It just really depends on what's going to fulfill you and what you need. So, you know, you actually pressed, it sounds like a little bit of a pause button because you were so busy and said, okay, let me step back, breathe, enjoy life a little bit before I get and jump into medical school where you know it's going to be nonstop go gas pedal. (laughs) Exactly. Anybody's listening, it's okay to take time off. <laughs> it, def- it definitely is. It's, there's nothing wrong with taking a couple of years off at all. When you were deciding to become a doctor, what was the one thing that made you most uh, question yourself about whether you would be able to actually become a doctor or achieve this goal? Besides the MCAT? <laughs> <laughs> or did you feel pretty confident like, oh, if I can get through the MCAT, I'll get there? The MCAT was tough. I had to take it twice, actually. So to anyone who's listening out there, that's that's fine. I, I think 
unfortunately, due to being very busy in college with school work in basketball, I did was not a part of like any kind of pre-med groups. I had no idea what I was doing. It was kind of just doing it all on my own. You know, I took the MCAT while doing basketball and working and I just didn't take it seriously. I, I think I bought a book and I was like, oh, I'll just go through this. And then I kind of realized like I really need to take this seriously. And I did a class and spent focused a lot of more and more time on it and things got better. But yeah, that MCAT the first time I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> a take the test again and B if I want to keep going forward through what this MCAT leads to. But besides that, I'm not really sure as far as things that it was more, I guess, I would say financial. Med school is not cheap. Not saying my parents were, you know, in a terrible financial situation, but they were not going to be able to pay for med school for me. That <laughs> there was going to be loans, and uh, I think a lot of us go through this huge debt concern. And you know, I still have debt. You know, I've been out of medical school for twelve years, <laughs> and I still have lots of debt. So that was really scary to me. I, I had loans from undergrad that I, you know, was paying. Um, and then I had to then figure out how to pay for medical school. So there's a way. Uh, I would say, you know, I, I, it took me a year to figure it out because I, once I got to USC, I then had resources and people to ask questions to. And it was look for scholarships. There are a lot of scholarships available. You just have to find them, though. It's not, they're not thrown on your plate and like just pick. You have to look for them, and it helped a lot. Every year, I was able to get more and more money um, from scholarships to then help offside some of the loans. It wasn't like it paid for med school, but it helped. Every I think every dollar helps when you can take it off from a med school standpoint. Because you know, when you become a resident, you're not making a lot of money based on the hours you're working. So you're not going to pay it off from residency. You're going to have to pay it off at the end. And like a lot of us, I didn't go into medicine because I thought I was going to make a bunch of money for it. So I knew that in the end, it wasn't like I was going to make millions of dollars in medicine and pay off the loans. I knew that it was going to be a struggle to pay off and it would uh, take a while. So that was scary to me. Scary to all of us. <laughs> but you do it because of the purpose and the meaning behind the job, right? And it makes yes. it all worth it, right? Definitely. Well, I know you, you mentioned just like myself too, MCAT. That was hard for me, <laughs> just like you said. So obviously that was an obstacle. Can you think about other obstacles that you faced throughout your journey? I don't know if maybe like, um, and I'm talking about like whether it was an undergrad in medical school as well, and then maybe how you overcame them. I mean, you mentioned test taking is a big one, but if you can think about any other obstacles that you feel like you struggled with while you were going through it all. For me, I would say, not having or maybe not searching enough for mentorship during undergrad is someone to help guide through, you know, not hold my hand all the way through it, but I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for someone just to help me point me in the right direction of either resources or, you know, real life experiences of what they've been through. Um, I don't, I don't think I got until I got to med school, did I really get some mentors? And even in med school, it was a lot of like classmates as we were kind of helping each other out. So that was probably one of the obstacles minus just trying to get through, you know, trying to get into med school without having any family history of it. Uh, that, you know, that mentorship sometimes can come from a mom or dad, an aunt, uncle who has gone through it. But if you don't have that, you have to search it out. And, you know, I think about maybe I should have searched out for more of it, but I, you know, it wasn't 
create resources that I had available to then plug you in with a mentor. Um, and it'd be nice to have a mentor who's also a minority, I would say, because there's different obstacles you face being a minority that others who are not may not understand or have gone through. So I do think there's a huge difference um, when you have a mentor who is also a minority, you being a minority, going through the whole medical system. Very true. I know a lot of our guests have talked about like the obstacle of that sense of belonging, you know, going through medical school and as you keep going up and up, even as practicing physicians, do you feel like that was ever a an obstacle for you even till today? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, when I got to med school, there was a dean of diversity, Althea Alexander. She is an amazing woman. Uh, she was a big impact on me starting medical school. At USC, we had the summer before medical school started. Uh, a group of minorities who were at USC did an anatomy class. It, it was a good jump on just learning anatomy, but I think what I took away from it more than anything was meeting other minorities in medical school, and we formed this bond that lasted throughout the whole medical school. I mean, it was a very tight-knit group of friends that helped support each other and had different backgrounds, coming from different areas, but we all kind of felt very similar in many ways, being in medical school uh, minorities, and most of us were first-time uh, physicians. So that helped me a lot in medical school. I also had a mentor in medical school, Dr. Bernardez. Uh, my second year of medical school, we do these like clinical things where you go in the hospital, talk to patients, work on your physical exam skills. And he, I think he took me aside more just and kind of helped me out a lot of just how to direct myself and how to succeed in this world where there are unfortunately not enough minorities practicing medicine. And he made a lasting impact on me, I would say. And it wasn't even big things. It was just little things that I think that he did. It wasn't, any, he didn't get me anything. He just little guidances that I probably didn't really understand at that time. But when I look back on it, it was a big influence on how I succeeded and how I think I am a physician still this day. So I think it's kind of cool. And he actually ended up working at the Student Health Center at USC and he did a little bit of sports medicine. He wasn't sports medicine trained, but he worked with some of the basketball and football teams and also kind of emphasized that specialty to me as I got older and what I could do with it. Yeah, I think mentorship is so important when you find someone. And it is, it's true. It's like those little things. It's not that they have to go like completely out of their way, but it's just they're kind of that little check-in that whenever you're in a room on a rotation and there's a little bit of self-doubt, they're there to just like, you're going to be okay, keep going. Yes, you still keep in touch with your mentors? Uh, some of them, yes. I actually just went to this conference by the AMC about, and it was for minorities in our like assistant professor roles where we're trying to get advancement throughout the academic world, which is a whole different new job or new challenge, I would say. And they talked a lot about mentorship, which I thought was great because even as we are attendings, we still need mentors. We're not you're done with medical school residency, you don't need a mentor. You, you always can benefit from a mentor. And what they really said was, it, you don't always need just one mentor. Sometimes you need multiple mentors because one mentor can provide some kind of help and mentorship while the other one provides a different direction and you can learn from both. And as I've become more of a mentor to mentees, 
I realized that I need to be mentored so I can myself be a better mentor. <laughs> it's not something that is, I would say, explicitly taught in medical school or in residency is how to mentor mentees, right? You kind of help with your experiences. And if you don't have a lot of experience with being the mentee, then how are you going to be a successful mentor uh, is what I took a lot from that. And it made me think about like, yes, I probably need another mentor now where I'm at. I've had some going through the whole process, but being where I am today, I still need help to succeed and get better and move along the rankings um, in order to then help me help people below me move along the rankings too. Exactly. Very, very true. I feel like, you know, that mentorship will, you know, on the professional level, then there's this new, now the coaching, which essentially I feel a lot of it is like mentorship, right? To help guide you as you continue to want to grow and be happy. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self in high school or college, what what advice would you give yourself? Get a mentor. <laughs> now, that we've, now that we've emphasized the, the you know, importance of having a mentor. And I think it's not something that is Seeking it out is the hard part, but once you've found that person that seems to, and it has to work, right? You can't just, I think what I found it in undergrad was they had list of mentors you could do for like specialties. And I, I tried, I, I had one, it didn't really seem to click. It wasn't helpful. We didn't have a good relationship. And my next step should have been, okay, I need to work harder to find someone who either wants to do what I, or want, is doing what I want to do, or seems to have a similar background to me. I think that would have what I should have done. Because once you have that relationship, it's not hard. It's not something that's forced. Um, I have one mentee who is a medical student here at, at Drew in Los Angeles. And you know, once a month, the last couple of months, we've just gone out and had lunch. It's not that we're having these really formal meetings, but and we just talk um, about what I think his you know future is gonna hold, what what things I think he should avoid. And a lot of it is like don't do what I did. <laughs> this is what I've done. Learn from my mistakes so you don't make these mistakes. Yeah. And then it's, you have that relationship so that when you need help, you can easily reach out. And it's not this big stretch. It's like, hey, I need to talk. I, you know, have a rough rotation. Okay, let's, let's meet. Let's talk. Let's just you know, chat it out and see how we can make things move a little easier. Is there anything I can do to help? And I, I wish I'd done more of that early on, um, along with networking medicine, you know, you want, it's all about the patient, but in reality, you find that there's so much more to medicine than patient care. The patient care is what we go into it for, but to be a part of it, being around others and networking with others helps you advance, which then helps you stay at your job, love your job and help the patients is what you went into. At that conference I went to, they also talked about all of us go into medicine because of a passion. Everyone, everyone's passion is a little different. What tends to happen, though, is medicine can be a grind. You go from medical school straight to residency where you're not sleeping, you're working a lot of hours, and then become attending, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? I, I, I don't know. I'm attending. I'm freaking out. Like Wheels are spinning. And you can get to this world where you start getting so burnt out, you forget about the passion. And the passion, you need to bring it back because that's why we all went into medicine. That's what makes us good doctors and to help those that we went in to help. So it's always, I think, reflecting about your, your passion of why you went into it and not forgetting it because it kind of grounds you back again to why you're in it and then allows you to then ease the, the burden of all the other stuff that's going on outside of your, your reason for being in it. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. 
hopefully we grow the amount of, you know, minority physicians so that way there are more mentors for a lot more students as well. And I think a key point we usually try to bring up is if you get turned down and you get a no, it's okay. Don't take it personal. It just might be that that physician might just have something going on in their life that they, you know, they don't want to give you the short end of the stick, you know? So you go on to B or like you said, the clicking, if you don't click with that one physician that you or that mentor that you were assigned, it doesn't mean like you have to stick there. You can go look elsewhere until you find that one person you do click. So it's very important to keep going and not just stop at that first stop. Because when you are a first generation doctor, you usually do because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) You're kind of just testing the waters and then it's like, oh, a bump. Okay. Maybe this is the way it is. You know, (laughs) you have no idea. (laughs) Right. So So true. So as we close out, um, is there any other advice other than it sounds like mentorship to younger people, something else that you would want to advise uh, students, whether they're in high school or in college? Find your passion and don't give up on it. So there, there, you could go in high school, through college, even in med school, you can go through lots of bumps in the road. And I think of them as bumps in the road. Don't think of them as roadblocks or detour, or maybe you know, a small detour, but it happens. You'd love for it to be a straight shot, no issues, but in the end, it's not going to be. So if you hold on to that passion of why you're into it, it allows you to keep going through those, those bumps and uh, make them the, the nice little round speed bumps instead of the big ones because you can go over them nice and smooth and you don't you don't miss a beat. And don't get frustrated. It's it's a long haul. Take it day by day and find that mentor, I would say. I honestly I, I, I think it's because as I've gotten older, finding a mentor, especially a minority mentor, is, is almost even harder now that I've gotten older because it to be someone above me is is it's not that common. Unfortunately it's you know minority physicians are are Still far and few between, um, but we're out there. We just need to help these high school, college students grow that passion and see that there are people similar to them out there that they can they can look up to and be mentored by. And if we can continue that, we can help grow the minority doctors where we're not talking about them being you know five percent of whatever the physician field, and they can then uh, we won't even think about it hopefully in the future as things get more evened out i would say yes hopefully so reflects what our society reflects right yes yes exactly so thank you so much dr cj i hope you all enjoyed listening today and learned something new today i'm sure there are some ears today that heard bells ringing that this career path might be right for you dr cj did it so can you thanks again everyone remember to share this podcast with your friends and families As we are here to inspire a new generation of doctors, regardless of your situation, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Remember, you could also visit our website for additional resources at www.futureminoritydoctor.com. And if you are 18 years or older, please donate through our website to help our efforts in production of the podcast. Any donation is much appreciated to keep these efforts going. But if you can't donate, don't worry. Please keep on listening because we are here for you. Peace and love, everyone.